This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. He's Justin Bourne. I'm Nick Kiprios, and it is the Real Kipper at noon. Coming off a 6-2 convincing win for the Toronto Maple Leafs against the Montreal Canadiens, and I can hear Leaf Nation right now going, you want me to read into that game last night when I couldn't read into last season's regular season? You really want me to say that I know what to expect out of a Toronto and Montreal game now this time next week? Nothing there, eh? Like, it's just impossible to watch that hockey game and draw a conclusion. Uh, outside of conclusions on individual players, um, you know, the the greater team at large, though, no, there, there's nothing to take away from it. So, but, uh, di- go ahead, Kipper. No, I was just going to say, but, okay, let's just go for the surface, okay? We're not digging okay. underneath, and we're not uh, comparing anything, or but on the surface, I, I thought it was a, a good a good win, a good game, yeah. uh, sp- scoring spread out. Uh, maybe if you're Sheldon and, and Kyle, you're sitting there going, maybe that looked a little too good for my liking right now because I don't want to peak now. Yeah, well, that's that's the whole thing that this team has gone through in the past is like, you know, they wanted it to be hard. You know, the season before, things went too well, and they didn't have enough adversity. And then you have adversity, and that's not good. Like, we can never just be satisfied with anything. So you're right. It was a good game. There's not too much to take away in the, the greater sense. Um, but before we move in a little deeper on a kipper, and I know we will, I should just plug that you and I are going to take uh, texts from people at home. So send us texts. If you have any questions about the Leafs or the NHL at large, text 590-590. Uh, Producer Sam will read them to Kipper and I. We'll get Kipper's reaction, which is always entertaining. Did, did I did I approve that? Did, did anybody let me <laughs> know that that was actually going to happen? All I know is there's there's some nuts out there. We're yeah. we're gonna let him in on the show, or, or are you gonna just handpick Sam, the the warm and fuzzy ones? Because if we're doing this, play them all, read them all, even the bad ones, even the one. The other day that said I did the show drunk. Well, I got ones from yesterday asking if you were uh, broadcasting the show from your Muskoka bathroom. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if – I don't know. And and while we're in this pandemic, would you be surprised if I did? <laughs> as long as I didn't get caught on camera, it's okay. It's It's fine if I needed to do that. Are you okay with that, Sam? As long yeah, as you don't you have do the that. camera on. Uh, you got to you know, do what you got to do. Uh, and, that's all. and for the record, I, I've stopped drinking the moment, uh, you know, Doug McLean officially retired. I, I, I don't do the show drunk anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's going to be entertaining to see what we get from the people out there. This is, uh, this is our first crack at the whole text line thing. So, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, hopefully I, we get some reaction out of you like the type I get when I say things like, I think Jack Campbell's the most wonderful guy on earth. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> you really want to go down that path, don't you? You really want to I hear do. my thoughts on that. Sometimes things are just l- better left unsaid, but 
uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see if you drag me into that because uh, it is a little bit of a sore spot with my wife as well. But we'll revisit that a little later on in the show. As far as last night, well, first of all, as far as training camp goes, Justin, it really was the the Michael Bunting kind of show, and no question. I've said this many times already. I, I think so far he's come as advertised. And it's almost as if Nick Ritchie last night kind of picked up where that, that energy of bunting has come in because he had a heck of a game and a heck of a first period and lots of talk now about uh, the depth of the Toronto Maple Leafs and what may have been a question mark for sure coming in is all of a sudden it's it's alleviated a little bit, hasn't it? Yeah, you know, I think so. And that, you know, led to some comments by Sheldon Keefe to, to the same idea. I think what they kind of went for here is, you know, you grab a bunch of these guys and you hope that a couple of them pan out, which in the process creates competition. You know, I, I don't know about you when you went into training camp, but you had a pretty good idea. I know I did anyway, who I had to be better than. I wasn't trying to make a certain team. I was trying to be better than one guy or two guys. And I think for these guys, seeing each other's direct competition is leading to some pretty decent play from their depth guys. Well, let's, uh, if we got Sheldon Keefe, I, I want to hear his comments on, uh, on, mm-hmm. on where he thinks the depth stands right now. But I think a lot of those guys, Robertsons, you know, those, those guys did a really good job. Uh, through this camp. Our depth has improved significantly. I think when we look at it to where we were at just a couple of seasons ago, you know, where someone like Nick Robertson right out of junior steps into our lineup and, and now it's, it's a harder team to make because of the, the number of players that we have. Um, that's, a, that's a positive sign for us, but it also allows Nick the appropriate time to go down and work at his game. Improved significantly. That's all I heard there. Uh, the rest of it's mm-hmm. mumbo-jumbo. It's clear <laughs> that he thinks he's got perhaps even a better team today than the one that uh, ended so disappointedly uh, in Game 7. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just from where I sit, I don't see it as a better team per se, but it does feel like all the holes have been patched over with capable guys. You know, like it, it does feel like Andre Kasha, if he's healthy, is a better you know fill-in than Joe Thornton even may have been for this team. You know, I, mean, I, oh, well, I, I haven't seen enough out of Kasha. I really haven't. And I, when I watch him Do you him have still, him in a different tier than, than uh, Bunting and Richie? Oh, my gosh. Way down. Way down. Really? I, I don't see Kasha right now having a huge impact. Not not like those other two guys. And I, maybe, mm-hmm. I, maybe I'm just, uh, maybe I'm just uh, judging him a little too early here. But... I see a guy that might be still a little apprehensive and maybe for good reason, uh, the injuries, Mm -hmm. but I I don't see, I don't see a big force just yet. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how they use him. Cause like he had, when he had a good game the other day, Sheldon Keefe was talking him up like, Oh, you know, we love his versatility. We love how we can use him up and down the lineup. Um, You know, it seems like they were almost trying to big him up a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, give him that confidence early in the season that this is all right. It's a fresh start. He's got an opportunity here. Um, you know, to sort of find his game. You guys barely played the last couple of years. Nick Ritchie, of course, ultimately, when it's all said and done, it was was pegged the guy to uh, fill in for Zach Hyman. It's, it's that simple. And 
uh, last night. Was that enough against a Montreal Canadian lineup that wasn't a cheap lineup here um, outside of Josh Anderson and, of course, uh, arguably still the, the, the best goalie in the league in Carey Price. They had a pretty sound lineup. Mm-hmm. So no, they did. Was, was, was Richie convincing enough for you to say there's no question this guy starts with Matthews and Marner? There's no question he's going to get that opportunity, yeah. Um, but, like, you know, he seems like a guy to me that he's going to thrive in these type of games. So I don't – maybe I don't have the, the right pitcher in Nick Ritchie. But, like, you talked about him being, like, uh, some guys in the league might be scared of him. And that guy, you know, he might have this edge. There are these guys in hockey to me who are huge, and people want them to be bullies and want them to play tough. And I don't get that vibe from him. I think he wants to be a goal scorer, and like he's got great hands. We saw him finish it off in front of the net. I know he's done it in junior before. He can score. You know, I'm curious to see what role this guy takes on when the games are are hard and physical. I definitely think he's going to get that spot off the top, but I, I'm less sold than I think other people are that this is a guy who's going to maintain that spot for the year. Well, and and that is the uh, $64,000 question is when they f- have failed in the past, why do we think this, this one's going to be different? And Nick Ritchie, a highly touted prospect, and you you, you think about Richie coming out of junior, and it was Milan Lucic. This guy right. could be the next Lucic, a guy that can get up and down the ice, a guy that can hit like a truck, and if he needs to drop the gloves, we know he can he can do that. And remember, I, I think it was Grapes that went hard on, that's the guy that the Leafs should have drafted that year. And, yeah, we've seen him now go through – Two organizations, Anaheim, who drafted him, and the Boston Bruins. And if if he didn't shape up to be a, a Boston Bruin, then I say nobody can get teed up to be a Boston Bruin because he had that look. He had everything, and yet they didn't welcome him back. So to your point now, is, is that enough of a wake-up call for him? Is that enough for him to say, this time it's different? Mm-hmm. So I'm of the theory that Tom Wilson and Milan Lucic has ruined people, like ruined GMs who are all chasing the white whale, these unicorns who are, who are perfect NHL players. They can play it anyway. They intimidate you while they're scoring goals. They play in your top six so they can protect those guys while contributing. If you can get one of those guys, oh, mwah, right? Like, oh, you... Why is Nick Ritchie not going, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. And, hey, last time I checked, $6 million, $5 million. Hey, Nick, you want to double your 2.5? Yeah. Just become a poor version of them. Just just a poor version. You don't have to become them. Just a, a poor version will get you now $5 bucks. Because you can't fake it. That's why. he. And if you don't have that, like if... If it were me, and this is a bad reflection on me, and I was making 2.5 sheets to not punch people in the face, I'd rather take that than make five and have to get in fights every other night. Like, he doesn't want to be yeah. that guy. You no. you know, you don't have that. <laughs> I want the five sheets, pal. <laughs> Just point me in the right direction. And then ultimately, though, we are now talking about the true 
differential when it comes to the haves and the have-nots in the NHL, okay? And I don't want to, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to belittle you, but no, that fire, that fire that you're talking about, you either have it or you don't. Right. And and if you're lucky enough to have it developed over sort a certain period of time in your career, great. But how often does it happen? And uh, you know, when I look at uh, Justin Hall, okay, mm-hmm. Justin Hall's going to be, I think, thirty in in I don't know January, February. He's going to turn thirty years old, and yet we still look at him as Leafs fans as a fairly new guy. You know, hasn't been around that long. And it's a project? No, he's past a project now, right? <laughs> is he is not he? a prospect? Not a project? It's right? just he is what he is. Yeah. Well, he's he's a top four guy. It's not nothing. For the Leafs anyways. But there are also signs when I think he's a a really good defender and he's got a little snarl to him. And then there's some nights when it's like, nah, he's just not there. No. But, you know, but there's a reason. My whole point in all, bringing up Justin Hall is that there's a reason why in, his, in the same draft year as, say, um, a Justin Falk, that that Hall's played 150 games and Falk's pay, played 750 mm-hmm. games, right? Like, think about that for a second. It's because Hall just wouldn't bring it. He yeah. spent his 20s just not deciding on how badly he wants this. And I hope for Leaf fans, Richie isn't going through the same problems still in his 20s because if he is, then could be a long year for the Leafs. And so that's something I wonder, like how you can seek out and draft players with that. Because I reckon like Justin Hall off the ice is Jimmy Buffett music in a in a human form. He is moving, he is a human pina colada. Like he does no anger or edge or whatever. That's just not the kind of guy he is. So you know, I think teams seek out people who that is their sort of intrinsic state. You know what's funny is, you know, a guy we're talking about here who seems to have that is Nick Robertson. He does seem to have that want, that will, that desire, and he's just trying to get ahead of where his physical abilities are. But, yeah, it's not something that uh, that I, I think that Nick Ritchie is packed full of. Um, you know, we, this, we do – go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was go, just saying, the, 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 we do have a clip of uh, Sheldon talking about him and Marner because Ritchie can – if he can – he doesn't have to be that to be effective with Mitch yeah. Marner, right? Like, he can still do some things uh, on the offensive side of things that he doesn't have to be a snarly, mean guy. All right. Why don't, why don't we? No, run no, that no, clip? no, 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 no. No, keep the snarl, buddy. Keep it. Keep it. Why? <laughs> why? Like, honest to God, the Leafs are starving for this kind of stuff. Don't, don't, don't try to curtail it. No. Okay. Let's let's see what Kiefer had to say about um, the two of them playing together, Marner and Richie. I think he has pretty strong confidence that Nick's going to live around the net, and uh, he did on that first goal to get us going there. So, um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was really good. Uh, just. Those guys, we haven't gotten a lot of game action, obviously. And as you mentioned, the centers have moved around. Um, so that's been a challenge, but it's good to see it. I thought uh, both those guys were really good, especially in the first half of the game. There's no question that Richie is going to get his his chances to put the puck in the net. And that, that, that first goal 
Justin was that prime example, man. Just, yeah. just Dave Semenko it, man, with Gretzky. <laughs> right? There's a, a a blast from the past, but it's it's that simple. Uh, you want to play with? Uh, uh, I got some more names, man. I'm gonna date myself, but like, there's you know. Gallant with Iserman, and once upon a time, there was this guy named Warren Young who came out of college for Detroit. It's like, just get your stick on the ice and let some of these great players uh, like Adam Oates find you. And Nick Ritchie will will be able to do that. But Justin, if he thinks he's just going to hang around the net and, and pick cherries, man, that's a bad mistake. He's mm-hmm. he's gotta he's gotta be that four check guy. He's gotta he's gotta be able to create lanes like like Hyman did. That's that's that, his success. That's thing the Kipper, everyone is blinded by Zach Hyman because how many players in the league can play with elite elite talent like Matthews and Marner, not be an elite talent themselves and still provide value? Like I think it's super rare. So you mentioned Dave Semenko playing with Wayne Gretzky, and I was thinking around the league, what's the best example of someone playing with players obviously better than than them and making it work, uh, a la uh, uh, Semenko or in Gretzky? The best I can do modern day was Hyman playing with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. You know, I don't know if Nick Rischke can replicate what Zach Hyman can do. So can you be worse than Zach Hyman and still stick on that line with those guys? I feel like it's a matter of time till we're saying, ah, Richie's just, it's a waste of a left winger there. Excuse me for sounding like the skeptic on Richie, but maybe Alex Kerfoot's there in December. I think that's nothing but trouble if that's the case. Uh, but let's... Let's see where we are a, a, a week and a half and two weeks from now. Right. Uh, another name that kind of popped up to me is, and I, I think there was skill for sure and talent, absolutely. Chris Kunitz with Crosby. And Good one, yep. I, I, Chris Kunitz without Crosby is not a an Olympian, right? He's, he's not he's he's a nice Canada. Not nice one of hockey player, Canada. but <laughs> that that's that's how good it can it can look real quick. Right. If if you have that that type of talent and, and Marner's play where he just sucks in three or four guys and then throws a pass to to Nick right in front of the net all by himself, Romanov. I, I don't know where he was, but that okay. that that could that could excite Nick Ritchie to say, "I'm not coming off this line." So then, do you wanna do you wanna talk Marner on either uh, the noise or the power play next? If we're gonna tie it to Nick Ritchie, which which way do you wanna go on Mitchie here? Well, I, yeah, I just wanna I wanna again his 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 comments are pretty crystal clear on I think how he feels about uh, the noise around him and how he's gonna deal with it. And I gotta tell you, man, I I don't blame him one bit for for these type of comments and. He, I don't know if you like them or the Leaf Nation like them or, you know, you find them a little bit too short, but let's have a listen and then and then come out of it. Uh, stay away from reading whatever you guys write, um, reading whatever really anyone on the outside really thinks. Uh, I think that's how you got to really kind of handle it. I mean, I think when you start reading the good things, there's always going to be slips of bad things. So um, just stay away from it. Um, just trust with what you've been doing your whole life to be the best player you can be. And, I think he's, I think he's nailed it right there. Well, yeah, I, mean, I don't, I don't buy it though. What? 
What don't you I don't, buy? He's I don't pissed buy. off. He's pissed off. He's people have been taking runs at him, and he's like, "I'll just play." The hell with Ali. I'll just play. Yeah. If he had just played this whole time, I think people would not be taking runs at him. It's that he's. I don't know. It's the defensiveness from Marner. Like, I would love for that to be true, that this year he sits back, he doesn't read the good things or the bad things. I don't even know if kids their age can stay off social media. I don't know if it's possible. Like, he lives in Toronto, and he's going to stay off social media. I, I don't know how he's going to avoid hearing the truths about him. So, you know, Elliot they all, and... They, they all, they, they're all in the same boat. But for whatever reason, okay, whatever reason, he is the biggest whipping boy there is. And it has to do with how it was set up for him because everybody was fine. They weren't on Willie nearly as much on his contract. They weren't on Austin, but he was the last one. And at mm-hmm. 10-9, that one, that one sent Leaf Nation over the top. And yeah. there's no chance... He could ever live up to that unless they win. And it's, it it is what it is. He's not, he was set up this way. That's the best I I can describe it is that he was set up this way. He was the guy that was not supposed to ask for it and get it. Well, I mean, first off, the way it all shook out was bad for him, but I, it's like gotta be his doing at some point. I mean, grinding, trying to put himself on Austin Matthews' level. And however they figure it with the media and who to talk to, to get himself into that echelon seems ridiculous to me that that was ever even a part of the conversation because you're right, now he can't win. He finished one of the fourth. top scoring players in Leaf history to come out of the gate. How, how, is, how is he not seen in the Matthews-Marner, you know? I mean, did and, you watch playoffs? Yeah, I watched all of them. I watched all of them. Okay, and he's still, he's he's still producing. He is still producing in the playoffs. He hasn't scored, but he's still producing. And according to some, he worked hard. He created a lot. But this this was unfortunately set up from the the moment that he got drafted. This this who do you think you are, Mitch Marner? You're not in the same class as Matthews and. It was set up that way. And it, yeah. it go back to the draft. Babcock didn't want him. Wanted the big defenseman. Uh, comes in. Uh, not even a hint. You go down the list of top five NHL draft picks, and you tell me how fast in the last 20 years that guys were sent back to junior. This guy, this guy played... His first year, it was abundantly clear Babcock wanted nothing to do with it. In fact, I think I think he cut him after the first period in an exhibition game in London. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Uh, so I was there for this. I was there. I was okay. in the room with Babcock okay. and, and a part of that organization. Babs did not not okay. want him. Let's clarify that. Didn't want him. His first few years, he didn't want him. He buried him on the third and fourth line. Okay? Do people have short memories? He's still one of the biggest producers in Leaf history to start a career. And he started on the third and fourth line for, for a year and a half. 
Okay. So my whole point is, is that it was kind of, this isn't an accident that there, there are a lot of Marner haters out there, but this guy has been pulling uphill from the moment that he was drafted. I went on air and I was kind of sarcastically saying, trade the guy, trade the guy for a defenseman. If this is, if this is what you see, as a, just a, a little guy that uh, doesn't measure up to, to to Matthews, who's been the golden boy from day one, then just trade him for a defenseman, get it over with. Uh, but it, it didn't happen because we know once they got rid of Babcock, they were going to come in and, and just treat him like gold, which they, they did, including giving him the money that they thought he deserved. But even though... Leaf management feels like he's right up there with Matthews. Leaf Nation had already been set up, buddy. The thing is, I I feel like Mitch Marner came out as the golden boy, born you know, tr- born Toronto, raised like like Tavares has the pictures of himself in the Toronto gear, and was given every chance to be this beloved Toronto child. And there was an entitlement from him, and when it didn't go perfectly. There was a defiance from him. I don't know how you feel he should be handling himself right now in the media, but like, I'm gonna just gonna say this: the clip he put out that's a minute long. That's the uh, Drake. In, it's his off his new album. It's champagne poetry, and he's clipping lines. And there's a line from the the Drake song where he talks about uh, the the negotiations. This is the perfect time. You should pay me more. Basically, the type of thing. It's so tone deaf to me that he would still even comment on money or passively comment on money because it's the money that makes people mental. You can't not produce in the playoffs. Yeah. Then then talk about the money you're earning. So to me, there's a defiance or some sort of. It's not working for me the way he's handling the pressure of Toronto. Well, and it's this is his last not his last chance, their last chance to make this work with, with four guys making 40 plus million. And as far as being tone deaf, honest to God, I, I think that's the only way you got to in his situation. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's not treated like Dougie Wendell, right? He's no. not treated like Matthews, but this is a, this is all based on the 10.9. That's all it is. If yep. he would have somehow gotten eight or seven, this wouldn't have been an issue. And that's not on Mitch Marner. That was on Kyle and Brendan because mm-hmm. they would have had those guys. And Lou Lamarillo was going to set up Marner and Matthews like Chicago set up Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, okay? They were going to get, if not mirrored contracts, they were going to they were gonna be awfully close. But Lou would have had them, Lou would have had them at nine and a half, ten for maybe Matthews because the comparison at that time was Jack Eichel, okay? Lou would have stood, Lou would have stood hard on Jack Eichel and then maybe... Mitch would have been happier than a clam to come in at eight, eight, two, eight, five, and Bob's your uncle. But then they went out and got Tavares. Uh-huh. And that that was that was the wrench that Tavares comes in and gets eleven, and then poof. Right? And John Tavares is a heck of a hockey player. But they didn't need John Tavares. They didn't need him at that point. 
See, they had, they, they had they were Matthews and Marner. Those were the two guys that you should have set up at the top. And then it, uh, it derailed quickly, man. And we know what, what it is today, that salary cap. But, and, and that's not to, again, take anything away from John Tavares. He's a heck of a hockey player. He's a point producer. That's what he is. He gets his points. He's an offense guy. He creates. It's great. But the two centermen for me that needed to lead the next 10 years were Matthews and then Marner. Marner should be playing center, buddy. I've heard you say that before. I, that's a, I, a something totally different from anything I have heard. What is the basis of Marner should be playing center? Let me ask you something. Who, who is the the best team on the? Who's the best player on the Leafs? Who make people around him better? I assume it's going to be Austin Matthews. Not a chance. What? Not a chance. <laughs> Who you got? Wayne Simmons. Who you got? Mitch Marner. Wow. Who makes players? better last night who drew four guys to him and found a guy completely open now you think you 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 think you think Matthews has that type of game yes (laughs) maybe not to pass but I think that he draws people to him listen I'm he Matthews is a pure shooter buddy a pure shooter one of the he's the best in the world right now that guy's got a shot that is like it's new age, right? It's yeah. well, we still have the Stamco slapper and the Ovechkin slapper. There's nobody on the planet that can shoot the puck right now. I think like Austin Matthews, but as far okay. as playmaking goes, Austin Matthews is not your traditional center playmaking centerman. He's not. He's not. He's not. He's not a natural disher. And once this guy is in the offensive zone, he's thinking, shoot, shoot, shoot. If you think I scored last year, wait till you see me this year. This guy's going to go for 55, 60 goals. That's not the mentality of a playmaking centerman. You know what that is? That's a winger. That's a winger. I'd have, I've had, Marner would be the best playmaking centerman. And I include that in Tavares. You look well, at Tavares. Hold on, though. hold on. You play center. You got to play in your own zone. You want Mitch Marner trying to defend Andre Kopitar in the D zone, playing low? I mean, you can switch if you want, like have him not play low in the D zone. I like the Mitch, idea of him playing out of the Mitch, middle as a distributor. Mitch Marner is a natural centerman. He is a natural centerman. He is. He's played it. Uh, I don't know if he played it in his first year in London because they were pretty stacked. I think they had Domi and attorney and maybe even Bo Horvat, but he is a natural centerman. And Willie Nylander, by the way, while we're on it, natural centerman. Mm-hmm. Like those guys. He played that with the Marlies. Right? And I, I look at, uh, you know, even Tavares. And Tavares, look how many times Tavares is uh, six feet within the front of the net with the tip-ins and the redirects. And, you know, Tavares isn't a um, – He's not a disher. Like, look at his assists historically compared to other top centermen. He likes his goals too. You know, he he likes he likes putting the puck in the net. I just think, you know, 
I don't know how we kind of got off this topic, but well, I, you know what we can do is we can. I, I, I like I like the fact that uh, that that he is he's a natural passer. I think I think he's the most natural passer the Leafs have. And uh, to come full circle, how can a guy like Nick Ritchie not not yeah. not benefit from this? Well, here's the thing: if if Mitchie's going to be such a distributor of the middle, that's where they have him on the power play now. So they got him on the bumper last night. We see him playing on that uh, that top unit, and they don't have uh, Austin Matthews back. But you know, I said on this show he wasn't a great power play player. I couldn't see how he was going to get enough touches from the bumper spot. But last night, it's didn't not you, like didn't you accuse him of having a muffin for a shot? <laughs> I did, hey. Yes, I did. Hey. I'm standing by that too. I'm digging can, in on that. Can, can, can we can I rent the ice for two hours and put you in that and have Mitch Marner hit about twenty bucks at you? Yeah, no, I don't think that qualifies you as having a good or bad shot. Would, would you, on me as would a you go for that? Uh, maybe maybe to promote the show. But that's what about, about last it. night? It, it looked good, didn't it? It did. It did. And I loved, so they had a play where Mitch actually came from the bumper spot and pulled up to the blue line almost, so he could get a pass. And, you know, not in the middle of the ice and all the traffic. He could actually get a puck from up there. And what we talked about yesterday on the show was that we think their power play needs more movement, and that really prompted a lot of movement. If it's going to look like that, they don't have to be Tampa Bay. They can do their own thing because Mitchie's pretty good out of a, a movement spot there. And, again, you you are talking about a high high offense, guys. And, you know, at the, at the end of the day, though, you got to remember that – you know, for Braden Point to be so terrific there, Kucherev yeah. is – this is my point with Matthews, okay? There's just not a chance that Matthews on the power play when he's not shooting can do anything near what Kucherev can do on a power play. Mm-hmm. That guy is fabulous at disguising. There's no disguising with Matthews, man. That thing's on there the be? stick. It's off the stick. So that's that's at the end of the day, that's just my issue a little bit with just trying to find total success under the Tampa Bay uh, umbrella. Is that you? You have guys that are are two time Stanley Cup champions uh, and not by accident. Yeah, well, that's you know to your point about Matthews, like even McDavid off the half wall, and I know we're talking about the best best players on earth with McDavid and Kucherov. But, you know, I don't want Matthews thinking about a, a pass or anything, but both McDavid and Kucherov are really adept at that little yeah, slip, like but, a fake. Uh, but, Justin, you know, we went from one to seeing what we thought was one of the best power plays in history to, like, the the yeah. worst. Yeah, and why? Tell me why. Because I, as if you listened to me yesterday, Mitch Marner is to blame. <laughs> I think it's a, the movement thing. I stand by the movement thing, though. But Listen, I don't know how that... They all, no movement. That's right. But you just said it two seconds ago, okay? You want Matthews to shoot the puck. But guess what? So does everybody else know this. And yeah. if if Matthews is just going to sit at the top of the circle and just shoot the puck, guess what they took away? Right? He needs like an Matthews pitch, disappeared. He disappeared. That that world-class shot disappeared. Why? Because everybody else figured it out, and the Leafs couldn't respond, and it died on the vine. And, you you know, say what you will about Mitch Marner, man. I, last time I checked, he, he led four of the last five years in power play points. And you want him off. <laughs> 
I hope he can hit a one timer then. If we're calling for Matthews to hit the, to slip him some pucks in the middle there, hopefully he's been working on a one timer. It's you know. It, I do recognize, obviously, what a fantastic passer he is, but when you can't be a threat doing anything else, it's like the Matthews thing. So here's maybe where this can come around for us, Kipper. Kucherov can pass it or shoot it. Point can pass it or shoot it. Hedden can pass it or shoot it. We're talking about the Leafs. Matthews can shoot it. Marner can pass it. You you, you know, you don't have off-speed pitches. If you have no, just Nolan Ryan's fastball with no off-speed pitch, it's not as dangerous, is it? So these guys having to round out their games to be able to do other things is probably what takes their power yes. play from okay to the 100%. next level. 100%. They have to evolve. They have to, they gotta, they gotta throw more clubs in their bag, you know? Yeah. Get a flop just, shot in their kit. Just, just driver ain't getting it done, <laughs> right? Like, get off the range. And start golfing, okay? Yeah. Because it's it's 150 in. It's putting. It's just not the great drive off the tee. Although yeah. that it, is most impressive. It is. Well, and then that's the thing. And then from there, everyone else is more dangerous, right? Like Willie Nylander's going to have more time and space if those guys can do both things. Tavares in front. It, it'll all come around. I have no doubt the power play is going to be better, partially just because it can't be worse. But doing something different has to has to be the solution in the end. We saw Peter Morazic get the full game last night. Uh, Jack Campbell, uh, a conversation that we want to get into out of the gate. The feeling is that Campbell should probably take the early lead on who the number one goalie will somewhat look like. But I hope, Justin, there's a, a little fire in the belly of Peter Morazic to say, no, I want that job and I'm going to fight for it. And uh, I'm not going quietly here. Did we see? Let's- did we see that last night? Uh, you know, it's no, but it's tough to judge, you know, sort of a preseason contest. It's just bizarre, isn't it? Heading into a season where one guy is making, he's on a one year, one and a half million dollar contract. The other guy's on a three year, three and change contract. And we're talking about the the guy in the one year deal is the, the, the go-to guy here. Uh, I am curious to see how it plays out. If, if, you know, Mraza comes out of the gates and it looks good. I, yeah. Uh... I got to think that uh, Mrazek honestly believes that he's going to have a crack at this here. And if he doesn't... I, I bet I, in his I, head he I, thinks I, he's the guy. I, I don't... I, you think he thinks he's the guy? Yeah. And I if don't he's think he's not, the deal if he don't. And if he's not... Maybe he's how, upset. How does he handle that? <laughs> yeah. Right? Well, I, if, the only thing that worries me about Mrazek is that... Uh, and I don't know his mentality. I, I don't claim to know his personality uh, enough. But when you come from places like Carolina or uh, a Detroit organization with zero expectations, mm-hmm. uh, is he going to get? Is he going to be prepared for uh, possibly uh, losing two or three games <laughs> in a row? Yeah, probably won't get to that spot because Jack Campbell will be there, but. It's a different beast, as Mitch Marner and many in the past have have shared with us. Yeah. I imagine, you know, before coming here, you kind of look at the the guy in the crease and say, I think I'm better than him. That's a place I'll go and I'll get to be the guy. So I got to believe he comes here thinking he's going to get, you know, at least half the games are better. 
Um, but you're right. If it goes poorly, we're going to learn a lot about him. I find a lot of these guys come to Toronto and their first meet press conferences. They're like super charming, eye contact, engaging. And like within three weeks, their souls have died and you could like see, hear it in their interviews. So we'll see if he's able to keep his insides alive after uh, a few game losing streak. All right, which brings us to a little bit of a, a Jack Campbell conversation. Uh, and first of all, listen, he, he wants to take everybody uh, to Red, Red Lobster. So, <laughs> so, is that a Happy Gilmore it, reference? It, it is. It is. And, I, and he's mentioned that. He said that. Uh, loves the movie and, yeah. and totally a, a play off of that. So there's so much to love about Jack Campbell. 100%. Maybe the rest of the year we'll just refer to him as the Blue Lobster. Um, the I love it. But there's no question that there is uh, a, a certain part of his personality that is, is great, and I think it's genuine. And I don't... There's some guys, Justin, that we've played with where... And here I'm really going to date myself here, but uh, and let me see if you, you can pick this up because you're real young. They're, they're Eddie Haskells. You yes. got that? Yeah, right? leave it to Beaver. Leave it to Beaver. There was a guy in this episode who was just the nicest, sweetest guy ever. Hello, Mrs. Cleaver. That's a lovely dress you're wearing. And then he's upstairs and he's just kicking the shit out of the beef, you know? And he's just <laughs> pounding on him constantly. That's not Jack Campbell, okay? He is the real deal. It's not an act. It's not playing up. This guy is as nice as he appears. But for me... It just gets a little too much. That kills and me. At the end, at the end of the day, you just gotta stop the puck. And you don't worry about pleasing everybody else. Like he when he first came after every save, after every time he covered the puck. He tapped this guy on the shins, and then he'd go tap that guy on the shins, and way to go here, and way to go there. And he's <laughs> by the end of it, I'm exhausted watching it. And all I'm saying, Justin, is listen, it's it's okay to make other people feel good. Yeah. But it means Jack, if it doesn't start with you feeling good about yourself first. And that I think is his biggest issue last season. And I saw that on two occasions. One was a, a, a bad loss when he, when he came out and he said, it's my fault, completely my fault. That's on me. I let the guys down. You know, and I thought, man, you're just too hard on yourself. And the other one that really bothered me in the biggest game of his life and in the biggest game for the Leafs, he called himself out with the worst goal of his career. And I'm like, Jack, you never say that. And even if you feel it, you keep that to yourself. Because I promise you, if you look over the last 10 or 15 years, you could find one worse than that. <laughs> but yeah. don't, don't throw yourself under the bus, Jack. 
So at the end of the day, don't worry about making everybody feel good. Just make sure you feel good about yourself. You know, I I did not think when we started out this segment that this was going to be so motivational. That you were going to loop this around to a very positive message about believing in yourself and it starts within and the goodness with your own, you know, with loving yourself, Jack Campbell. I really thought that this was, this is actually, he's representative of the killer instinct thing, isn't he? Because this is a, a Leafs team that has made it their focus to not be the, the, about kindness and moral victories and whatever. And we need to get over the hump and we need to win. No one cares how you do it. You have to have that killer instinct. And he seems like a guy yeah. who, you, you know, I'm going to be, I see a little bit, not that I'm as nice as Jack Campbell, but like, I feel that he is, uh, you know, that, I don't want to say emotional because that sounds like too much, but that, that sort of, he feels everything. He feels everyone's weight and he wants yeah. to help people and he can't just ignore the good or ignore the bad. He lives a part of it. Well, For a goalie, like Freddie Anderson blocked it out, right? Oh, Freddie's ice cold, but he didn't hear anything, you know, and as we saw in all or nothing there, uh, Freddie was like ice cold to the point where like, I'm not coming back on the ice. I'm not. It's like, you know, (laughs) you're either bailing on me because, and I'm bailing on you now. That's all I saw. So the Leafs, they, they, they quit on him because they thought he quit on them. And that was just a really ugly side of the business. Not that's not the first time that that's happened by the way in in professional sports. No. And you're not and leaving, then you me, had I'm leaving the, you. Then you had uh, a guy like Jack who who's just the opposite and everything's great and you know, we love each other. We're we're really a, a tight-knit group and we really care about each other and and that's okay. And I've been on teams like that, and it, and it's true. You know, you want to like each other. You want to respect each other. But none of that really means anything. Doesn't if, help you win. If you don't show how much you love each other on the ice, it's completely useless. I would rather you hate each other's guts and win <laughs> than love each other and lose. And that's, I think, again, for for Jack, it, don't worry about talking about how much you love each other, how much you get along, and that's great. Where are they off to now? Muskoka for a little get-together, a little bonding. That's great. But bonding means crap, man, if it, uh, if it doesn't transcend on the ice. I also think so, that you can't import... Uh, you know, that was such a priority for them, the dressing room last year, right? They brought in Simmons, glue guy, Joe Thornton, great guy in the room, Nick Felino, great guy in the room, Spezza, room guy. You know, that was a big thing. But I don't think you can import that sort of culture, or I don't even think it matters necessarily. I think it starts with your core. Your team either gets along from the inside out. I don't think you can tape pieces to that. Uh, and on the other hand, to your point, I don't care if your team gets along if you don't win. So I'm with you 100% on well, that. Joe Thornton, listen, Joe Thornton's a Hall of Famer, man. One of the best passers in history of the game. Yeah. But when you come to an organization that hasn't won in 54 year, 53 years, 50, yeah, 53 for him, okay, do you really want to come out and say, yeah, man, I'm stress-free. I feel no stress. I'm like... No, feel some stress. Could you have a little bit of pressure here? No, no, no. 
feels <laughs> something, right? It just can't be about, you know, uh, vibes, photo bombing guys naked. There has to be a sense of, and we saw fire in his belly when he was going after Ehlers in that. Yeah, it's way, there. Right? It's there. Yeah. It's there. But telling Matthews and Marners to just be stress free, uh, I just didn't work for me. And, mm-hmm. you know, the other thing too, when it, when it's all said and done here, and again, this is just my beliefs and my philosophy as, I don't know, maybe we kind of put all or nothing uh, on, a, on a bow here, is one of the final scenes, and I want to bring, I, I, I put a note to mark this down because I wanted to bring this up to you. And again, um, this is where we disagree, but you loved the scene where the guys are all in the room and and crying. <laughs> I don't know if I loved it. <laughs> but you said there, there's tremendous yeah. benefit to that. Well, I think there's from a PR standpoint, I think the team can say, look, we do care. We do. We gave it our all. We left it out there. The guys are ruined by it. You know, the I you don't want the the perception that guys got paid eleven million dollars and lost and went home and went to Red Lobster with Jack Campbell. You know, you want to see no, some pain. No. And that's fine. And you're right. You're right about everything, including the Red Lobster. <laughs> I you know, one of the things that uh I, I love kinda every once in a while is just you know, looking at people with that that have had the the blueprint or the secret formula. And I played with a guy like Mark Messier and damn, sometimes we just didn't know necessarily how to read him or think. And one of the things that uh, we always wanted to do after a game is of course it's New York city, man. We want to go out. Yeah. So, you know, we kind of lean towards Mark and you know, you, you get a win and you're like, Oh, it's, you know, Monday at the China club. And, you know, so it's like, yeah, so, but you're going to go up to Mark and you're going to kind of get the temperature of things. And, you know, you, you come away with a win, but it wasn't a great win. And, uh, hey, hey, mess, um, what are you doing now? Going home. We embarrassed ourselves tonight. And they're like, oh, God, yeah. I got to go home now. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm going home. I'm going home because he's going home. Yeah. And that's the way it is, right? You're just he. You feel bad. You're to your point. You're not going to Red Lobster. And then there would be some games when we we play the Ottawa Senators in Ottawa, and we're barely hanging on. And you know, now you're thinking, you know, we squeak out a win, but it was a bad win. And then you're you fly home, and you know, you think you're going to go home, and he's like. Where do you think you're going? I said, home. He says, no, you're not. We just beat the 1927 Stanley Cup champion, the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> we're going out. And I'm like, okay, we're going out. But my my point in all of this is there, there are times when you should feel bad. And, and that's okay. So just to tie this into that all or nothing, that mm-hmm. last scene, okay, where – you you saw it the dressing room the guys are there their 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 heads are down and I don't know if you caught this but Kyle Dubas does come in 
and he pats Mitch on the back and he rubs his head and then he moves down. I think he gets to Matthews and he pats his pats him on the back and he rubs his head. And my wife goes, Oh, that's that's so sweet. You know, that's nice. Mm-hmm. And I kind of roll my eyes a little bit. <laughs> and she looks at me and she goes, Why are you so insensitive? <laughs> they feel bad. I love your wife already. And he all he's trying to do is, you know, cheer them up. He goes, she goes to me, you don't remember, you know, when our kids felt bad, that's what you do. And I say, yes, that's what you do when they're nine. <laughs> and I say to her, you know what else we did when we did that? We took them to Chuck E. Cheese right after. And then they felt great again and they didn't remember a thing. But this is the NHL. This is not, you know, kid stuff. Make them feel bad. Don't pat them on the back. What is that going to do? And you know, Justin, in all of this, how old are you? I'm 38. You're 38. And how old are your kids? Five and one. Five and one. Okay, mine are like 20 now, okay? It's this next generation that they're having they're having problems right now. You want to get in my philosophy right now? We got oh, time. I love it. I, love it. I got, got hey, buddy, We got a two-hour show. Let's stretch our, our wings here. All right. Spread I our got wings. A, I, got a, I got a philosophy on this, and you tell me, you know, if I'm full of crap or not, okay? But my era, now I'm going to, like, you know, toot my horn a little bit. My era, we were the best problem solvers in the history of the world, okay? Because my parents' generation, like they were in survival mode, man. It was just about work and money and just getting me enough to get a pair of skates and a stick. You think they had any idea that if I was getting in fights after school or I was on the roof of Seneca Hill Public School uh, collecting uh, tennis balls when I was like nine and ten? They they had no clue, no clue. So we kind of grew up and we were solved our own problems okay and now as parents we want to extend that now as adults so you know when when sally comes home from school and she's crying because she didn't get invited to mary's birthday party (laughs) right Mm -hmm. you know what mom says that little bitch who does she think she are? Who does she think she is? All right, you know what you're gonna we're gonna we're gonna after school, you're gonna come home, we're gonna go yeah. shopping, we're gonna go get that little dress with the flowers, we're gonna get those leotards, and and then after that, I'm gonna take you for a nice dinner to your favorite restaurant, and we're gonna we're gonna get you dessert, and and you're gonna feel a lot better. And really, what mom should say is, why did did you say something to piss her off? Did you like did, did you like, treat her better? Did you treat her badly? <laughs> or no, no, no. Here's what she really should say. Why don't you go ask her yourself why you weren't invited? But we try to go and fix everything and So this is make, trickle down make to, to Barner good. and Matthew's generation. A hundred percent. 
100%. So there's Kyle trying to make him feel good. And I'm sitting there going to my wife, I'm the opposite. That if you, if you want real development, you, de you develop out of feeling bad. You don't develop out of feeling good. Feeling good doesn't teach you anywhere near feeling bad does. Oh, man. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I love it. Wow. That was a lot to digest, and uh, I have down a number of things um, in response to this. First off, your generation just handed bajillion-dollar houses for $17,000, so uh, I would love to have been hard done by, like, your generation. Um, the uh, other point <clears throat> on to, uh, that you're talking about with – so I actually think – that you're on to something good here. So Mike Babcock has been exiled from sports. You know, well, I know he's uh, an analysis now or an analyst for, he was NBC for a while, but like the Mitch Marner thing where he took Mitch Marner's uh, review of who didn't work hard on the team was so t turned around to make it sound like Mitch was so hard done by like Mike was a villain for that. And that he didn't handle it well. He shouldn't have done it. It was a bad thing. But it was one of those situations where some people got some hard realities, even if it was like, hey, your teammate feels like this. He put Mitch in a bad place. I recognize that. But there is value in confronting these things head on. And I've told you this is something that Kyle actually doesn't mind doing and likes doing with some of his players. But, in but terms he needed, of, to, Justin, he needed it there? He, no, he yeah, he needed it when he had him in his office in Game 7. So just – just to my point is like, um, so so on one hand, Mitch has got a coach that's saying that you've been completely dominated, and the other one's saying, keep what you're doing, you're doing great, I want you to feel good. When I think the conversation should have gone with, your, your coach said that you're being dominated, I want you to tell me why you're being dominated, because mm -hmm. I'm paying $10.9 million for you to not be dominated. I and, think and let, sports are and, a place and, and that's him, fair. And, and, and Mitch is a big boy. He can handle it. They're all big boys. They're men. Okay. Yeah. They go to war. They're, 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 they, they're stand up guys. They do what they do need to do. They let them answer that question. Why are you being dominated? Why is my coach saying you're being dominated right now? I wonder in sports what age that is supposed to start. So when those guys are with the Toronto Marlies, they're not allowed to do an interview. Willie can't do an interview. No press for any of the guys that they drafted. Willie, Kapanen, Janssen, any of the young guys, they're not Whose allowed to Whose rule do was that? Dubas. Do uh, Lou. Lou. That was Thank Lou. Thank you. Thank that was you. Lou. So then in the in the with the Marlies as well they can only play two of three games no you know in the AHL you'll play three and three they don't want these guys to go you know three and three like the rest of the team uh, you know uh, they're younger to me they're probably more fit to do that in the first years with the team they're not allowed to do as much press right like Willie and Marner and those guys like they want you to talk to the captains they want you to talk to everyone they're trying to break these guys into the league at what point and how violently do you turn the page and say, enough, if we drafted these guys because they're so great and they can handle it, let them put them in the environment, expo expose them to what everyone else is doing, and if they fail in the process, hopefully the failing is learning curve. The thing is now with bringing everyone along gently and softly, and that is differently than how they used to do it, and I do believe that young kids now need that more 
because their parents have treated them differently, and it's better for players want to know why am I on the third line? Why am I playing eight minutes a night instead of 14 on the second line or whatever it may be? So there is... It's a big question now, how to handle these kids. Because if you try to handle them the way you're suggesting, I don't think it works. I don't okay, think you so, can reach them that way. So, Justin, tell me how, uh, again, when, when we watch when we watch All or Nothing, you tell me how Kyle Dubas handled Frederick Anderson. A little more coarsely from a distance, not the same way he did Mitch and, and, and Austin? He, he didn't, But he didn't handle him at all. He chose yeah. not to handle him at all. And I'm like... And you said it. Do you not remember? I think yesterday or Monday, you said it. Call him in the office. Right. You said it. So what, what happened to the days where you just call him in the office? You go, what's going on here? What is what is happening here? But they they he didn't. He didn't. It was like then they got that awkward scene where Sheldon's looking at Kyle, and it's like, is he on the ice? Uh, I don't know. I haven't looked. You want to look? No, I don't want to look. You look. Is he wearing uh, equipment? I don't want to look. You you don't want to look. A hoodie? Track pants? Oh, oh. Let me tell you this quick story about Lou, okay? Mm-hmm. Because Frederick Anderson had a little bit of a reputation when he came out of Anaheim as being a guy that you can bump and, you know, if things aren't right, he doesn't play, Okay. And yep. I think at times, I heard that. yeah, you heard that as well. So there was this one game in particular that uh, it's probably, I think, uh, after 20 or 40 minutes and Anderson gets bumped and uh, he finishes the period and Lou gets a call upstairs uh, from the trainer that says, I don't think, uh, you know, he took a bump. He's just feeling a little off. He's not feeling well. doesn't look like he's going to go up for the third period. Lou, elevator, downstairs, dressing room, back out, back upstairs, in the press box. Who's out for the third period? <laughs> Frederick Anderson. With a sword dangling from a string from the rafters above him. <laughs> no rubbing the head or the pat on the back from Lou. And and, and look at Fred. That sort of thing would get him killed if Freddie got hurt look, in that third period, by the way. It's Lou, man. Not, not, not a chance. Not a chance. Okay, it's Lou. Executive of the year. Okay, that guy's just... Say what you will, but he they always comes out smelling like roses, and you know, and and that's that's Lou's way, that's Lou's way. It's just uh, there's no there's no pats on the head from Lou. It's just yeah, get the job done, and if you don't, you're gone. And and Anderson was a better goalie, right? In his first three and a half years under Lou, Lou could handle Frederick Anderson. He could handle him. Yeah, there's there's value, you know, in, I don't know, performance-wise, how to tie things together, but I do know that there are, there is merit in leaning on guys more than guys get leaned on now, but medically you cannot, and that's, you know, we saw that divide in the lo- in the room where the, the athletic therapist coming in and telling Sheldon and Kyle what they needed to know rather than the players telling them, so you're right, though, L- Lou maybe goes in and breaks that wall down if he has to. Sammy, I went on a little tear there. 
<laughs> we'll, we'll get him on the other side of Colby too. Do we uh, do we need to take a break? Did I did I run right through a stop sign? No, you're good, bud. We could just do some texts. I mean, you invented a new show name for the show. It was Real Kipper at Noon, even though it's now Real Kipper and Born. So you got a new oh, show name. Oh, did I throw that? <laughs> yeah. Did People can listen to it whenever they want. That's the whole they thing. Can still so, find. They, uh, they, I got they a few can, texts. Got lots of people texted in saying they like the show. Do you want me to uh, fire a couple of your ways? Yeah, why not? I get to cool off a little bit. <laughs> All right, let's see here. All right, Kipper and Bourne. Can you honestly see Rasmus Sandin as being a potential Riley uh, replacement? And that's from Chris. Yes, for me. And know that it will happen anytime soon. Yeah. So uh, I'll say that I can see them talking themselves into it and it not working out. The, Morgan Riley is the prototypical you don't know what you got till it's gone type of thing. Like he is not... He's not taking easy minutes, or it's not an easy role to step into for a guy like Sandine. So I can see them, sell, them talking themselves into it, but uh, big shoes to fill. I don't think, to Kipper's point, that it would work out uh, anytime soon. Yeah, the yeah. other thing, too, is, you know, what really bothers me the way this, this is set up now for Morgan Riley is that this will be another great asset that you will essentially convince yourself to rent and not not grab any assets and that i think you can you can do that a few times but with with all of them right jvr and uh bozak and hyman and now morgan riley there there's a fiddler to pay for all of this yeah kyle pay for his job if they don't win or pay with his job all right here's a question about a player i didn't expect to see and this one's from twitter in your opinions what did Gusev, Gusev need to get a contract? Maybe literally anything? Can I answer that one for you, fellas? <laughs> Thanks, Sam. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he plays slow. Like, I, I just don't see any sort of, like, he's talented. and You can see him do good things, but it, how tall? He's like 5'10 or whatever he is, not a big guy. Like, the, I just need to see him make a play, create something. Do You know, I just, there was nothing there for me. I thought it was a really weak PTO. Uh, it's, oh God, I remember the days when, uh, I don't know, we had 70 guys in the flyer training camp and it was 70? like, oh yeah, it was crazy. It was like, almost like, remember major league when, uh, <laughs> Charlie Sheen came in, you know, just right out of jail and guys bringing equipment in with garbage bags. It was like. How is this guy even on the same eyes as Mark Howe, you know? And yet, hey, we need bodies. We need, and that's, you know, it was a long shot at best. And we didn't even mention earlier on that Hosang, just like we had talked earlier in the week, Justin, uh, he got his American League contract exactly how we said it should play out, is let this guy go prove himself now that he can be a, a good, good hockey player, good teammate, a, a, a dependable one off the ice because so many issues have haunted him in the past. Just show that a lot of things are behind you and you'll get to prove that with the Toronto Marley. So that, that played out. That yeah. played out well for him and, and the organization so far. And speaks to Gusev showing that he just, they didn't even offer him like a Marley's situation. Just good luck wherever it is you end up. Um, Sammy, do you want to give us one more? Yeah, have fun in Minsk. 
uh, Gusev. All right. <laughs> what D-man gets the most power play time this year? I guess that takes us to the Sandine Riley conversation. It feels like Riley's starting on PP1. It's silly to pick something else, no, Kipper? I, I think I think the uh, the new look power play can really benefit Morgan Riley because if we're talking about movement, if we're talking about rotation, mm-hmm. Morgan's an excellent skater. I think he he has the ability to jump in, go down low. As long as we see great movement, if if Riley looks like a guy's just standing waiting to take a slap shot, then this thing is doomed because we do know that that's not his strength. Well but said. if they want to get motion and skating involved, then my answer is Morgan Riley's the guy. 